Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. Uh, It is great to see everybody tonight. Thank you all so much for being here. We have a great turnout. I think you all have come expectant and hungry for more. I believe that you guys are here for a reason and by design. And so I'm ready to give you whatever the Lord wants to give you. All you have to do is receive it. Um, Now, the challenge is, is that we often put pressure on ourselves and we have this expectation that you have to do something. And there's a couple things you have to do, like surrender all to Jesus. That's the most important. You have to surrender. The kingdom is built on forsaking all. I can't say it any other way. I say it every single time I get up here. Now, what you have to know is I'm as patient as a patient pastor can be. I love you. I care about you. I understand process. I understand grace. I understand mistakes. I understand failures. I understand shortcomings. Here's what I want as your pastor. I want a yes in your heart. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to say, I don't want to live that way anymore. I want you to obey the conviction inside of you. And when you bomb it and you blow it, I want you to repent. You know how I made it here after 28 years? It wasn't by being perfect. It was through a lot of repentance. And it was the fact that inside my heart, I wanted what God wanted. My question is, do you want what God wants? I want you to have everything God has for you. I want you to have a supercharged, spiritual, rocket ship lifestyle. I want that so desperately for you. But it starts with forsaking all. And once you say yes to forsaking all, once you make that commitment, everything starts with the cross. Everything. You can't move past to the next thing till you go to the cross. Now, once you go to the cross, on the other side of the cross is something profoundly beautiful. Man, I feel the anointing on the Lord on this already. We have a generation that's walked away from the cross. We have preachers that don't preach the cross. Now, I love the supernatural. Man, I love the supernatural. I would die without the supernatural. I love everything related to the supernatural. But the supernatural comes always first through the cross. Let me give you an example. In the Old Testament... You had the tabernacle of Moses. There was a pattern in the wilderness of the tabernacle. Now, I'm not going to get overly theological with you, but I'm going to help you to understand something simple. In In the pattern of the tabernacle in the wilderness, there were two fires. Two. The first fire was at the what's called the brazen altar. Anybody that came out of the wilderness into the outer court had to first go through the brazen altar. Today, in in what we know now being post-cross times, the brazen altar would be the cross. It's crucifixion. In the Old Testament, it was the pattern of burn up your flesh. And some of us need some real flesh burning, right? And I love you guys, you know that. But I speak frank, and I don't compromise. 
The supernatural without the cross or the brazen altar will kill you. Right. Your gift can kill you. Right. Mark my words. You get valued by it. Pride is the biggest killer of them all. So you get so gifted and God, you start seeing God use you and every one of you has a gift. I mean, every one of you has a gift. I can see it in so many of you. You're so gifted. This isn't a gift issue. It's a character issue. And so God would say, before you could go into the inner court and into the more I have for you, you had to first go through the brazen altar. But there was another fire. It was the fire on a lampstand. Seven lampstands. In Revelation, there's seven churches and Jesus walked in the midst of the lampstands. Do you know Rock City Church has a lampstand? There's a lampstand here and Jesus walks in the midst. And Jesus will entrust more, trust me with more and us with more, as long as I preach the truth and I do it in perfect love. I have perfect love for you, perfect love. So if I say things that brings conviction, don't turn away. You understand? I can almost see everything in this room from a spiritual dynamic of what's going on with everyone. But I'm not out to kill you, I'm out to bring life to you. I'm never gonna call you out, but sometimes you know I'm calling you out because it's the Holy Spirit calling you out. Right, so just know that I love you. It's like, if I look you in the eyes, not a lot, it's not every time I'm directly speaking to you, but it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And so what you have to understand is there's a first fire that kills, and there's a, first, a second fire that brings life. So in the, in the inner court, there was no light but the light of the lampstand. It's the fire of the Holy Spirit that's giving you life. Now, Jesus said in John chapter one, verse four, in him is life, and that life is the, let's just call it a lampstand or a torch or a fire inside of you. It's his light in you. But what happens is, is when we prematurely grab onto that light and we want that light so desperately, but we don't first come through the cross, you have put the cart before the horse. And I've seen it all too often. We want the power, we want the fire, we want the signs and wonders and miracles. And I want, to fast, I want you to be fascinated by signs and wonders and miracles. That's why I interpret dreams, it's why I prophesy, it's why I teach you about it, it's why I tell you there's so much more. Some of you need to see a demon cast out of somebody because you're gonna really go, wow, I'm seeing the supernatural happen right in front of me. Jesus cast out demons sometimes publicly, right? But I, it's not a dog and pony show here. I'm not out to to wow you for anything else than for you to realize that Jesus is Lord. So I got a loaded arsenal and an armory right now ready to unleash. And I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, I know you're ready. But I wanna help you understand something. I'll pull up that scripture. Let's start with this. Luke eleven nine through 13. We're gonna start with this. The whole kingdom is built on these three premises, asking, seeking, and knocking. I would probably add two things to it, agreeing with what God has said and declaring what God has said, coming into agreement with the Lord. What does God say about the issue? So I'm asking, seeking, knocking, agreeing, and declaring. How many of you have an, an impossible situation? How many of you have a struggle in your life going on right now that you don't have an answer for? How many of you are just 
believing God for a breakthrough and it seems impossible or you're just wishing that it would come. Anybody? I feel like I always live in this world. Like, I feel like I never get out. I call it born for the storm. Right? Do you ever feel like you were born for the storm? All right. So Jesus, this is Jesus talking. He says, I say to you, ask and what will happen? Seek and what will happen? Knock and what will happen? So asking, seeking, and knocking is a constant in your life for everything. It never stops, ever. It never, ever, ever, ever stops. Now, as you mature, you start asking, seeking, and knocking for different things. So now I'm knocking for specific doors to be opened in my life that are supernatural that only God could do. Like miraculous doors. He did it once, he can do it again. He did it 10 times, he can do it again. I have all these do it agains in my life. Every one of you does. You have a do it again. You have a do it again. Every one of you has to do it again. If he did it once, he can do it again. I just gotta get you to believe it. And I gotta get you to start knocking. Yeah, come on. Get you to lift up your head, oh, you ancient gates. Our hearts, Jesus said, I'm knocking, open up the door. And I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna dine together with you. What that means is that he's literally living, breathing, eating, walking, talking with us at all times. And this is the setup for the supernatural. Because I want you to walk in the supernatural. I want you to have power. If you don't have power in your life, you got a, a boring Christian lifestyle. And then you're gonna get bored. And you're gonna go, this is it? No, this isn't it. There's so much more. There's so much more. So I'm asking, but what am I asking for? Back in the early days, I was pleading with God to take away sin out of my life because my flesh was wreaking havoc. And I hated it. And you know what? God was pleased with that. You know why? Because I had a yes in my heart. It's blatant disrespect if you call yourself a Christian and you are just running headlong into compromise. But it's different when you're living a life of saying, look, I don't want to anymore. Right. And, and even in those moments when my flesh got the best of me, I felt horrible. And if you feel horrible or you have conviction in your heart, God's working in your life. If somebody comes to me, man, I just don't want to keep doing this and I feel so bad and I feel like God's so far and I keep screwing up, I'm like, no, stop living in condemnation. God's convicting you. He's working in your life. It's beautiful. You know how I know? Because before I gave my life I, to the Lord, I could have cared less about what I was doing. I never had conviction. The problem is, is we get conviction and condemnation right. mixed up. Right. You should never feel condemnation from me. Right. Conviction, though, is a good thing, right? Because we're a mighty lampstand at Rock City. Rock City is a mighty lampstand. He's building something in this whole church. This is not an audience. This is not designed to be just another big church. If you are a part of this church and God has called you here, you are here by design. I don't try to coerce people to come. I don't try to convince people this is where they need to be. I don't try to keep people here. Have you noticed that? You have to be spirit-led. And if God leads you to this tribe, you are in a warrior army fighting, spiritually aggressive church. Yeah. 
right? Right? You got that? And that's who you are. It's all over you, bro. The call of God, the evangelistic call inside of you, you just been lied to for too long. Now you're gonna start believing the truth and see who you really are. Because I know who you are, man. You got it inside of you, okay? You got it inside of you. And it's process. I'm patient. God is patient. But what I need you to do is lift up your head and say, okay, look, something's gotta change. I wanna do what God wants me to do. If I can get you to that spot, woo, and some of you are a little more hard-headed than others. You were. But, you're, but if you stay the course, you're gonna get it. So look, ask, seek, knock. Now I'm asking for wisdom. Now I'm asking for insight and understanding. Now I'm asking Jesus, show me only what you are doing. I only want to do and say what you're doing. I don't want to do any... Holy Spirit, I'm, in, I'm inviting you and asking you into every conversation. Bridle my mind. Let's say that. Bridle my mind. Okay, so you get the mind of Christ. He bridles your mind. So ask, seek, knock. Every confrontation, every difficult situation, every frustration, every hardship, every obstacle, every diversity, um, uh, difficulty, whatever it is that you're facing... I want to get you to the spot where now the Holy Spirit starts to take over and he becomes the Lord of your life and now you're not leading yourself because when I lead myself, we got problems. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, good. Next verse. Now I want you to see something powerful about this scripture. This is a powerful scripture because it's going to lead you to something that's going to tie into what we're going to do tonight. It's going to tie right into what we're going to do tonight. If a son asks for bread from any, so it's tied together. Ask, seek, knock. Now here's, he's going to give a little story or a little parable to help you understand asking, seeking, and knocking. This is a powerful, powerful word. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? It's a rhetorical question. The answer really is no. The sad reality is many of us have had a dad that gave us a stone. Okay, so we need forgiveness and healing from those things. But, but the bigger point is, in general, an earthly father will not just give you a stone. They will feed you. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Next verse. If you, now catch this, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give who? The Holy Spirit. To those who what? Yes. This is a powerful, powerful scripture. I want more. So he just taught you. Ask, seek, knock, and what's the most important thing you could ever ask for? Woo! I'm telling you right now. Because when you get bridled in your mind, you get success. The problem is, is we think of success as money, relationships, people, things, victories, all earthly stuff. God defines success as you being mentally put together. Because if you're insane in the membrane, then you go and get all the stuff that you think is good. You're gonna squander it, waste it, or hurt somebody with it. Stop chasing the things of this world. If you chase the Lord, all things will be added to you. Seek first, the, Matthew 6, 11. Seek first. Let's say that. Seek first. Seek first. So what do you dream about? Everybody say, seek first. Seek first. 
What are you longing for? But he say, seek first. Seek first. What are you wishing for? Seek first. What are you believing for? Seek first. What breakthrough do you need? Because if we're seeking first, he made a promise. Yeah. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things. Everybody say all things. all things. But there needs to be a righteousness. Right. Righteousness is produced by the cross. And that cross produces the desire now to come in line with righteousness. Righteousness produces righteousness. But you can't do it in your own strength. That's why to be a true disciple, you have to take up your cross. Now, there's many times I didn't take up my cross. And there's many times that I didn't just fall into sin. I did a number 10 double backflip, perfect swan dive with no splash into the pool off the high dive board. <laughs> and then when I came up for water, I was so convicted. Anybody? Amen. Which meant God was working in my life. At some point, the conviction will win out if there's a yes in your heart. Right. Get the yes in your heart, okay? Now, why would there be times that maybe you wouldn't get an answer? Is there something that you're asking for that maybe you feel like God's not answering in your life? Anybody? Yeah. Then let's look at James chapter four, verse three. Now, I know this is baptism of the Holy Spirit night, but the first purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an act in your heart. It's a refiner's fire. The winnowing fork is in his hand. If there's chafe inside, you know what chafe is? It's grainless straw. It's stubble. It has no grain on it. It's good for nothing but to be thrown in the fire. It's for, probably good for a bonfire, unless there's a lot of wind, and then it'll be a wildfire, and you'll burn up your neighbor's house. You ask and you do not receive because why? We ask amiss so that we would spend it on our... I remember growing up and the whole name it and claim it. I was in Tulsa and the whole thing was, lay your hands on that Mercedes and claim it. <laughs> what if God doesn't want you to have a Mercedes and he wants you to have a Prius? <laughs> Take the Prius. I know some of you don't like that. The better thing is, is to always pray, God, your will be done, right. not my will. Lord, I want what you want. You know what's best for me. Which leads into the whole two-master dynamic. If you're chasing after money and wealth or even with good intentions in God's name, it will become your master. And you'll do whatever it takes to get the money instead of whatever it takes to get the Holy Spirit. This is awesome teaching. If you can get this teaching, it, you will be so successful in, in the kingdom of God. And it won't be predicated on how big your ministry is, how many miracles and signs and wonders you did, how many people go to your church, how many people follow you, how famous you are on Facebook or social media. None of that will matter. All that will matter is as you become what God wants you to become, you will infect everybody around you. And the people I think about the most that need infecting is children. I'm always thinking about kids. That's why in worship today, Man, the kids were loud. <laughs> and they're doing ring around the rosy and falling on the ground and throwing balloons and giggling and laughing. And it, it really genuinely brought a lot of joy to my heart. They were wild. Yes. But I thought, man, if this church loses the sound of laughter from children, we will, we will lose our identity. 
Now, sometimes they get a little out of hand, namely my own son, but we, we're working on that. Pray for us. Pray for us, okay? All right. So you got that ask, seek, knock, especially for the Holy Spirit. Why? The Holy Spirit is so important. The Holy Spirit, God himself, in his spirit, inside you, does so many things. It's more precious than anything you could ever acquire. So if us being evil asks our Father for something and we give them good things or good gifts, how much more would our Heavenly Father give us good gifts? I want you to think about that for a moment. And I want you to always ask yourself, why do I want this thing in my life? Why do I want that relationship? Why do I want that job? Why do I go to, am I going to school? Why am I? Everything has to have a question in this context. Question everything in this regard from God's standpoint. Why am I doing what I'm doing and why do I want what I want? Is this about me or is this about him? Is this about, because God created all things for your pleasure. I could show it to you in the Bible. But when you don't find your pleasure in God, guess where you find your pleasure? You're always gonna be looking for it for somewhere else and you're gonna be dissatisfied. The core root of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is finding pleasure in God. How many of you need more pleasure from the Lord? Remember what I taught on Sunday about being stuck on the plateau and I knew I needed more? When the fire of God hit my life, the hunger of God came inside of me and next thing you know, I flamed on. I want you all flamed on. Man, it's my greatest desire. I really have no greater reward or greater desire than to see your marriages healthy, your children healthy, your personal lives healthy, I wanna stand at every, one, every single person's wedding if I can. I'll do my best. <clears throat> that doesn't mean I'll officiate it, but I'll stand there. <clears throat> Some of you I will officiate. I can't do them all. But my greatest desire is that your future will be built on the rock and you'll be flamed on and you will become everything God's called you to become, whatever it is, whatever it is, all right? All right, so let's move on from that. <clears throat> let's pick up on a scripture from Sunday as we continue on this message, supercharged. Our life needs to be supercharged. One of the things that I talked about heavily on Sunday was that a supercharger is different than a turbocharger. A supercharger is mechanical. They both do the same thing, but one's electric and one is shaft-driven. When I think about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that come with it, I think mechanical. All right. I think the fact that when it comes to praying in tongues or prophesying or casting out demons or laying hands on the sick, I have to be willing and ready to do it and I have to exert energy to make it happen. God's already in me. So the problem is to say, God, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. God's what? I'm living inside of you. I'm imminent. Yes, he's transcendent. There's times where the transcendence presence of God comes and my hair stands on it. I'm like, whoa, God's here. And there's other times it's like, I don't feel that and sitting God here. God, I'm here. He's inside of me. He's inside of you. So the next thing is getting you to know what's inside of you and not being afraid to let it out of you. For example, I'll use this example. The, the, the most difficult gift of them all, for I think for everyone, is not praying for people to be healed or even encouraging others or prophecy or word. I think it's tongues. 
You know why I think it's tongues? Because it's so offensive to your mind. It literally offends the intellect. Because we don't understand it. There's no understanding, but your mind is not praying. Your spirit's praying. All right? Now, I'm not gonna go down that whole teaching except to say to you that it becomes more mechanical. So for me, when, when I received prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I could hear in my knower, in my heart or my conscience, however you wanna say it, this language. The problem is, is that the devil tells you or yourself tells you you're making it up. This, this isn't the Lord. It's gotta be God. It's gotta be God. And then if you went to, a, I talked about this Sunday, a Pentecostal church where they called you up and laid hands on you for a long time and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed for you to pray in tongues and you never did for whatever reason, well, then we just discount it and we say, well, God didn't give me that gift. This is what I hear all the time. Let's say this together. I love this saying. You know this saying well, I'm gonna just say it again. What did he say? I love this saying. I love this saying. Oh yeah, thank you, I appreciate it. You guys, you guys are dialed in. Okay, let's say this together. Okay, we've said it before, say it again. Say, um, a man with an experience is never subject to a man with an explanation. So people will try to explain away that wasn't God, or that was placebo, right? Or you made that up. The devil says you made that up. Or the devil says, did God really say? But once you have the experience, nobody can talk you out of it. No one can talk me out of what I've seen. Nobody could take my faith away from me, ever. Nobody could create doubt inside of me. I've seen too much for too long to allow anybody else to come into my life and create doubt on the promises of God. Why? Because I've had an experience. So you need an experience. And how often should you have experiences? Every day, all the time. So let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter three, verse 11. We talked about this on Sunday. John says, I'm baptizing you with water. The one that comes after me, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Who does the baptizing? Who? Who does the baptizing? So if Jesus does the baptizing, why would there ever be any pressure? Well, Jesus does the baptizing, but he baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. This is the problem. Remember I told you a few weeks back ago about my friend Pat, and I told him about the Holy Spirit. We were watching the Long Island Medium came on on the TV, and he goes, what do I think about that? I said, you need the Holy Spirit to give you insight and wisdom about that they have a demonic network that's bringing them information. Now you need to get the spirit to bring you information. And so I told him about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and he thought about it all night long. And then in the morning he says to me, all right, I, I want that. What do I need to do? Take a class? Is there a, is there a class? <laughs> There's no class. There might be for the baptism in water because we wanna make sure you're born again and that your heart's in the right place, that you're not just being haphazard. You know why I do that? I probably baptized 500 people since I moved to town. I would bet you half of them are living back the way that they were before I baptized them. That bothers me. I appreciate you still being here. 
I'm, uh, a lot of you are still here. You're, you're the f- 45% that are still here. But see, when you bapti- got baptized, what did you say? I forsake all. You went to your funeral. But then what happens about a month later, you're starting to look back at that trough going, I need some of what you had because I'm not happy. I'm not finding pleasure. I'm dissatisfied. That's why if you don't put your satisfaction in the Lord, you'll always go back to the death trough to resurrect the old Jew. Okay? That's why in the brazen altar in the Old Testament, it was... There was no resurrecting the burnt flesh. It was done. And that's the way the cross is. And so, who does the baptizing? And he also baptizes you, not just with the Holy Spirit, but with what? So the prayer should be, when we, when we pray here in a minute for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who's doing the baptizing? So all you gotta do, there's no pressure here. There's not gonna be any crazy, weird pressure thing. All you gotta do is want it. Remember the scripture? How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for it? So do you want it? It's not a one-time thing. It's an all-the-time thing. Guess who wants it as much as you do? I I need it in my life desperately because it seems like this Christian life is full of God constantly revealing how many more things need to be burned out. I don't know that you ever get to the spot, man, it's all done. Man, it got all got burned out and there's no more. No. Right? It's like every day I'm like, ugh, why is that coming out of me? I don't like that. I don't want that. I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to think that way. So that's why it's a constant process of asking, seeking, and knocking. Because every day, every day, everybody say every day. God's going to reveal stuff to you that needs to be dealt with. That's why we need a constant asking, seeking, knocking. All the time, every time, everywhere, every day, every minute of the day. You cannot be too spiritual in this sense. That's the beauty of who we are at Rock City Church. I can't say for other churches. I can say for our church. The beauty of what's gonna make this church so beautiful is God's gonna take the most broken of people that become the most desperate of people, that become the most dialed into the spirit, and then suddenly... We're moving, walking, talking, and acting like Christ, and now we become a mighty force. It's not about fame and recognition. It's not about notoriety. It's not about how many followers we get on our live stream. It's not about how big our Facebook is. If God wants to do all that, God can do all that. What matters more to me is maybe that thing you did in secret that no one ever saw, and you didn't let your right hand tell your left hand, and suddenly you rock somebody's world, and no one knew but God. right. right. Where would you get, do you want the reward of fame and notoriety and the public greatness or do you want the reward of God seeing in private and then blessing your life and he gives you more opportunities? There's a lot of stories I don't tell you. Tons. Because sometimes the, the God says, this is not meant to be shared. And sometimes he says, use it as an, as an example. There are times to share testimonies of great things. Don't get me wrong. It's a hard issue. Are you doing it for fame, notoriety, and recognition? Or are you doing it to make him famous? That's a question we always have to ask ourselves. So he's gonna baptize us with the fire. The winnowing fork is in his hand. And what he wants to do is burn out the things inside of our life. That's verse 12. He separates. So our our prayer should be, God, separate me. 
take out anything in me that's not of you. Whatever it is, I don't want it, okay? All right. Now, uh, let's jump back over to Acts chapter one, verse five. Disciples are all praying in the upper room and there's a reminder of what Jesus had said. Acts 1, five. In Acts chapter one, verse five, Jesus instructs the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I wanna point out something very, very important. How many of you are dealing with an extremely difficult situation? Okay, how many of you are really frustrated with what's happening in the White House and with the president? Now, don't get mad at me. There are a lot of anti-biblical values and laws being implemented in our land. And for some of you, it's just all-consuming, okay? And, it, and it's frustrating. I'll tell you, let me tell you what really, really bothers me outside of abortion. Pedophiles. Prostitution. Human trafficking. The opioid crisis. Suicide. Fatherlessness. I mean, there's all kinds of things that bother me that's going on inside this. And they were been there long before this current president, all right? And the last one, and the one before that. But I want you to catch something very important. I bring this up every time I talk about the Holy Spirit because it's gonna really set up why it's so desperately important. You're constantly filled all the time. Remember Ephesians 5.18 from Sunday. Don't be drunk with wine, which causes you to be uninhibited and do the dumbest of things in the middle of the night. But be filled with the Spirit all the time, every day, constantly, past, present, future. Filled, filled, filled. Filled, filled, filled. That's why when Rock City, the doors are open, you should be up here or back there worshiping with everything inside of you. That's what I think. And at home, every day, not just here. Every day. So he says, I'm gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That was Sunday, Pentecost. Watch this. Next verse. So when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Let me paraphrase it for you. Lord, will you now take away all of the deception, the lies, the control? God, when are you gonna come back and do what you said you do and restore this nation? Got it? That's what they're thinking. He says, I'm gonna baptize the Holy Spirit. He goes, ah, great. Does that mean that everything's gonna be made right? This is the paraphrase. Watch what, Je- watch what Jesus says. Next verse. It's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse eight. Now I'm gonna paraphrase it again for you. But guess what? Instead of me restoring and taking it all away, I'll restore you and I'll give you power to fix that. Yeah, that's good. I'm super excited. I hate what's happening. I weep with the loss of life and the destructive things that come down, policies in our nation. But I have a little vineyard in this nation. You know what it's called? Corpus Christi. And it dials down even, or really it's Nueces County, then Corpus Christi, then Flower Bluff. And God says, you can do something about where you're at. So I start here, then God expands it to my community, my city, my county. This is the scripture, look at it. 
you're gonna receive power and you will be witnesses. Here's how I'll restore, here's how I'll fix it. Instead of me just coming back and ta-da, which is gonna happen at some point. He says, you have a job to do. Let's everybody say, I have a job to do. I have a job to do. I, and say this to me, I need to be an effective witness. Which means I need power. Which means I need an upgrade. Which means I need to be supercharged. Are you getting it today? Are you catching it? If I can just get you to, I have zero pressure to do anything tonight. I don't have to baptize you. We don't have to work it up at the altar call. We don't have to do anything but say yes and understand why and say, I want that. And you'll get it. You'll get it. You'll get it. But when you get it, you better get ready. Because you're saying, Lord, I'm opening myself up. Put the ax here. Here's another great way for me to say it. Are you guys all doing okay? This is, this is an important teaching. Psalm 51, verse 10. I love this scripture. Man, this, this I didn't give that to them, but Psalm 51, verse 10. You can turn there on your iPhone or Android, or iPad. Psalm 51, verse 10, or your Bible, thank you, that's right. Yeah, anybody got a Bible around here? That's right, that's right. That's awesome. I, I had always had a Bible here, it's just, I think somebody stole my Bible. And if they did, they can have it. It's got my name on it. Psalm 51.10, this is David after he sinned with Bathsheba and got busted by Nathan the prophet. He, he, he penned Psalm 51. And he says in verse 10, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Yeah. So everybody here needs to, be, to have a clean heart that needs to be created and needs to have their spirit renewed. You know what the first definition of the word create is in Hebrew? It means cut me down. You know why? How many of you are carpenters? How many of you ever built something? Before you can build a table, a chair, or anything, you first have to cut the tree down before you can create it to be what it's called to be. And do you know there's a tree inside everybody when they're born? And until you get born again, there's a tree living inside of you. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And until you crucify that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be dead religious Christians thinking you're good when you're not. There's a tree in me. Everybody say, there's a tree in me. It's either a good tree or a bad tree. And one has to be cut down. Let's cut down the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit crucifies the intellect. And it cuts, it's the ax. Lay it at the root. Bad root? Bad root. Say it again. Bad root? Bad root? Are you depressed, anxious, worried, frustrated, living in compromise, addicted, lustful, whatever it is? Everybody say, bad root? Bad root. Bad fruit. So say, I need an ax. I need an ax. I need a winnowing fan. I need a winnowing fan. I need a fire. I need a fire. So when God brings the ax and the winnowing fan and the fire... What not only does it remove, but it flames you on. Right. So we just need to be flamed on, okay? Now, I'm gonna give you my last thing and we're gonna pray. You can take this table away. <clears throat> I'm gonna show you, I could teach on this subject. 
I'm not kidding for the next, the rest of the year. I love talking about this stuff. I could do, teach on Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit every single time that I preach. But I wanna show you something really, really cool for those of you that maybe are new to Rock City don't, or have been in cessationist churches or the baptism of the Holy Spirit has been abnormal. And you're saying, I don't really understand that. Maybe some of you came tonight or you're watching on saying, online saying, I haven't really understood this whole baptism of the Holy Spirit thing. I'm gonna show you a couple cool scriptures. Acts chapter 19. Paul shows up at Ephesus. And when he shows up at Ephesus, this is Acts 19, verse one. Did I give that to you? Well, I know this story really well, so they'll work on that. Acts 19, Paul shows up at Ephesus and he finds some disciples. And he says to them, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? This is Acts 19. And you know what they say? We didn't even hear it. We don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. That's dead church without life that doesn't teach you about the Holy Spirit or the baptism and it gives you behavior modification, principles, five points to be a better life, everything that you can follow with your natural way instead of being led by the Holy Spirit. And so he says, well, then what were you baptized? How were you baptized? They're like, we only know the baptism of John. And so he's like, well, we're gonna do something about that. So they get baptized in the name of Jesus in water and then he lays hands on them. This is all Acts 19. He lays hands on them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to and prophesy. Both, tongues and prophecy. Tell you another quick story. I know know these stories really well. Acts chapter 10. Paul, or I'm sorry, Peter goes to Cornelius' house. First time the gospel is presented to the Gentiles. Okay, we'll, we'll skip past Acts 19 now. Let's go to Acts 10. I'm faster than that computer all day long. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius has a vision and Peter has a vision while praying on the rooftop. And the vision that Peter has, prior to this, leave that right there. The vision that Peter has, he's sitting on top of the house praying at five o'clock in the afternoon, is a sheet rolled down from heaven with pigs and snakes and animals all over it. And the Lord says, kill and eat. And Peter says, no way, it's not kosher. This isn't, this is how I read the Bible, okay? (laughs) Just follow follow my stories. He says, no way, it's not kosher. I've never eaten any unclean thing. God says, don't call what I have made clean. Are you born again? Then you're clean. There's no condemnation, even when you screw up. That's the freedom of the gospel. Don't you, didn't you notice that God called us all animals. The Gentiles were animals to them. He says, kill and eat. Where was Jesus born? In a palace or a manger? That's why I love you all so much. Sometimes you make me mad as can be. 
but I just take it to Jesus. And then, I, then God gives me the right way to reach your hearts because I care about you, every one of you, all y'all. I know I keep focused on this area. I think there's something going on up here, but I know there's something all over there too, all right? So Peter, uh, Cornelius sends a delegation of people to go get Peter because of a vision. Peter goes back to Cornelius' house and he preaches the gospel. Now watch this, go back to verse 44. Acts 10, 44, let's pull that back up. While Peter was preaching the gospel, is what was happening, the Holy Spirit did what? Fell upon those who heard the word. Many times when I'm preaching the word, my hair stands up. And I'm going, woof. The Lord is, I can feel the presence of God, okay? Whether it's coming out of me or on me, whatever it is. The Holy Spirit fell, and look what happened, verse 45. Those of the circumcision, which is the Jews, who believed, so these were believing Jews, they were astonished as many came with Peter. Why were they astonished? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now watch this, next verse. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now, I'm not doing a whole teaching on tongues because that's not the point. The point is to get you filled. Let God do what God does best. The point is to get you in position. The tongues has a great purpose in your life. That's why the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, I wish I prayed in tongues more than all y'all in true Texas fashion. All y'all. All y'all. It's the plural of y'all. It's all y'all. Okay. So, <clears throat> the challenge is, is that there's this great divide in the church where we believe that God only has tongues for some and not for others. And then we have this great divide that says, well, I just haven't got that gift. Here's what I would say to that, is that when you get the Holy Spirit, the more, not just saved, because you, you get the Holy Spirit when you get saved, but this is the more, this is the supercharger, all right? When you get the supercharge of the Holy Spirit, suddenly all those gifts are inside of you on another level, right? right? It's the turbocharge, supercharge upgrade. It's all the bells and whistles of the car, so when you get all of that inside of you, now you have to learn to steward, use them, and release them. But what gets in the way? Your intellect. See, because I'm not being led by my intellect, I can look at every one of you and prophesy, interpret dreams, see visions. I can see the way God sees because I'm not being led by my own intellect. Uh, I told you this on Sunday, but go read Acts 11. It talks about a, a, a rod of Jesse, Jesus being a rod coming from a stump. And it says that he will lead not by what he sees, but by equity. And equity means that I have a treasure chest of wisdom and understanding, intimacy with the Holy Spirit, and my equity comes from him, not from me. Isn't that a powerful thing? Now you can learn to walk by faith and not by, 
Because in the natural, my sight is a constant liar. You know, the enemy of faith is not fear. It's what you see. Because what you see brings fear. In the natural, everything I'm looking at doesn't make sense because I'm looking at it. But when I see it God's way, I can move mountains. I can take cities. We can rescue children. We can become everything God's called us to become because now I'm not doing it in my way. I'm doing it in his way and I'm only doing what I see him do. Got it? That's where I want to get you. And it starts here. And it continues here. It doesn't end. It just starts and continues from this spot, okay? So, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it is an experience. I ask people all the time, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, really? Tell me about that. Well, I got in the pool, and I got in the ocean, and I got, I said, no, 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 no. That's a baptism of water. That's an experience, too. Sometimes, though, it can happen at the same time. It happened to Jesus that way. Remember when Jesus went in the water to get baptized and he came out, what descended upon him? As the Holy Spirit is a dove, all right? So I don't ever rule that out, but I will say for most of us, it's gonna be a separate experience, two experiences. Now, what that experience feels like for each of us can be different. For me, it was hurricanes and balls of fire inside my head and sweating and lit up, ignited. But for some people, it's this overwhelming peace of rest and calm that just causes you to feel like you're floating down a, a mountain stream or in the clouds. This is the beauty of it. It's not one way for everyone. You are unique in your own way. And yes, God many times works inside your personalities and how he created you. I don't care how it happens. What I care about is that you open yourself up for it. It's 1 Corinthians 14.1, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Earnest desire means to be zealous. So I'm hungry for more. I live hungry for more. I love more. I love dreams. I love visions. I love the supernatural. I love casting out demons. I love telling people about Jesus. I love, man, God puts me in the craziest of places. The craziest of places. From flying on jets and sitting with very wealthy people to standing in front of a thousand outlaw bikers. How does God do that? God can take Joseph, who was a dreamer with no experience in leading an economy. Human trafficked, lied, an ex-con in the world's eyes. And in an instant, put him in the palace to oversee an entire nation. Don't think God can't do it for you. I just gotta get you to believe it. You feel that? Right? Never limit what God can do. My wife had a word earlier this year or sometime because she's such a results person. She had a word where God spoke to her about always being concerned about the outcome versus the process. She taught it here publicly. And some of us, all we think about is the outcome instead of the process. If it was all about the outcome, let's just whack your head off and go to heaven now. We'll make you a martyr. You want to be a martyr? You understand? You want me to martyr her? 
<laughs> Fabian's like, sometimes I think about that. <laughs> You're not going anywhere anytime soon, okay? All right. So, God cares about your process. God, in the midst of the storm, wants you to become an eagle. He wants you to mount up. Catch the thermal lift. Instead of seeing it as destructive and gonna kill you, catch the wind. How about in the boat? The boat is rocking and the bottom is flooded and that's where Jesus is sleeping. So if he's rested in the storm, what should you be? I wish I could, whatever y'all are going through right now, whatever it is, I wish I could tell you this will be the last time. But anybody like Mama Jean over here in her 90s, a mighty intercessor, you know how many storms she's probably seen in her life? And she's over there going, you better get ready because there's a lot more to come. Every storm prepares you for the next one, every one. You just need wind, the spirit, fire, come more like him. And <laughs> instead of creating the storm yourself, let God create it because we, we like, we are the storms. Like, I am the storm. I'm like, no, no, no. You're, the, you're to be the calm in the storm. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.